Before there was IMDB.com, there was Zach and Dustin. Congrats! You found $2 Late Fee, the best 80s movies podcast in the world. We revisit our favorite 80s movies. And sometimes 90s. And soundtracks from our youth. And then we interview our favorite people who help make them. All in the spirit of nostalgic positivity. Thanks for listening. Our first guest for season four, Laura Sangiacomo. This uh, is super exciting. Laura uh, was on last year with us to help our three-year birthday slash fundraiser. Uh, we had a great time with her then. We said, Laura, will you come back and be our season four premiere? And she said, who are you guys? And then after we reminded her, she was like, of course, of course I will. She's so lovely. You guys know Laura as Kit DeLuca, the best friend in Pretty Woman, which we just reviewed. And if you haven't listened to that, that that's that's probably our best season premiere ever in the history of our season premieres. I actually agree. I, and I'm being totally serious. I think it is. I think we're only getting better as time moves forward. And uh, people are reaping the benefits of it audio-wise and video-wise. Yep, people hear it and they're like, oh man, did I reap some good benefits? <laughs> that's just me stretching. I'm just stretching. I'm just stretching. It's not just Pretty Woman that Laura talks about on our episode, but she talks about Quigley Down Under, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, runs the gamut. We also did a fun $2 six-question segment with Laura that is exclusive to Patreon, so all you patrons are going to reap the benefits of that. But if you're not a patron, please consider becoming one, because I'll tell you what, because of our patrons, because of all you listeners, we're able to do the things we do and get better along the way. So if you're already a patron, thank you. If you're a listener, longtime listener, thank you. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard and thank you. Last episode, your catchphrase was, dare I say, it seems like this episode, it's reaped the benefits. Now, if we can get a catchphrase for every episode this season, think about how fun that will be for the listeners. Every time Zach says the catchphrase, you take a shot. Sounds good. Sounds good. Reap the benefits. Yeah. So reap the benefits of Laura San Giacomo and enjoy. Oh, well, actually, I'll tease this. A surprise guest pops up in the episode. He may only pop up in the $2 six question segment. Uh-oh. Well, you know what? Is it important? I feel like it might be important to say. Matt Adler, who plays Rick Kane from North Shore, very dear friend of the show. You might not know that he is the husband of today's guest, Laura San Giacomo. So that might be some trivia that just blew your mind. I'm hoping it is. For us, it's like we, you know, we just like know these things and then we just assume that everybody does. But the fact is, everybody doesn't know that. I think that's super fun. They are a, a power couple. Um, you also might know Laura from Just Shoot Me, a very popular uh, sitcom uh, that was on NBC, I believe. Um, yes. And if I'm wrong, Just Shoot Me. <laughs> Oh, uh, so much good, so much goodness. Um, okay, that's a lot. That's a lot of rambling for me. Um, you already introduced her, so I guess we just get to it. Let's get to it and take it away. We uh, we 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 have a dog here at the house. We've got a dog. Right after we did the fundraiser, and we have a bearded dragon lizard on top of that. And- <laughs> It's funny in the house because they'll like chase after each other. Well, this morning the lizard got out of the house and almost like got stuck on the deck. So right. we have a deck, Laura, mm-hmm. and then the deck mm-hmm. has there's a there's a building in front of us. So we share that the deck shares the roof basically of this building in front. So nice. I had to climb over the railing of our deck, and this lizard blends in with the leaves, and there's leaves all over our deck because of the storm. And I see it in the corner with its eyes like bugged out, just like terrified. So anyways, <laughs> I brought it inside and Dustin's like, how's your morning going? I'm like, well, it was interesting. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's adventure and for what, sure. What did the lizard think about all this rain? Did it like it? Oh, hated it. Oh. Because they're, 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 um, they're, they're dry. They're dry. They're dry. People. Yeah. Mm. And they thrive off of uh, UV, UV light. So oh, okay. he was like cold. You know, a crow could easily come down and swoop him up, but 
None God, of that happens. right? I imagine it's like the that la- the final scene of the uh, of the bodyguard where, where Kevin Costner, uh, of, uh, you know, where Kevin Costner takes Whitney Houston just like away from the <laughs> the crazy. You just like swoop up Abelis and you're like, yeah, pretty much. And uh, yeah. <laughs> he what batted his eyes. The, um, what is the lizard's name? So my son is into Dungeons and Dragons, and oh, cool. uh, when we first got into it. There's a, a name generator. If you type in attributes on this website for your D&D character, they'll come up with a name for you. Mm-hmm. So Bodhi's like, oh, he's a lizard, and he shoots a bow and arrow, and he's brave. And, and the name came up, Abolus. Abolus. So uh, <laughs> that's the name. Fantastic. That... I love that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So he named the lizard. I named the dog. The rest is history. So. And what's the dog? name Fozzie because Fozzie like Fozzie Bear yeah because she's a big ball of fur so sweet sweet <laughs> yeah. but let's do this let's do this okay. uh thank you by the way I'll we'll, we'll do like an actual intro and well now I guess I I just feel like when we candidly come in and we just start talking about lizards isn't that more fun <laughs> it is. I don't it know. Is. Maybe, exactly. maybe not for you, Laura. I don't know. It's but it's more I, we, like real life. I mean, it, you're right. It is. Guys, it's like we're almost family. It's like you've done super amount of fundraising for us and for Wheels for Humanity. You're like Matt is like your brother. I mean, we're like family. <laughs> well, it is. I, I was joking with him and not joking because I said, you know, we cannot yes, wait. Yes, we can. We cannot hate. the mug. We cannot wait to have you on our show. And he's like, well, you know, I said, this could be the best episode ever. And he goes, wait, best episode ever? (laughs) No, he's right. She's really not that great. (laughs) I thought he'd be mugging trying to get in here like, hey, can can I move in on your interview? He is is gonna bomb us at some point. I told him he's gonna bomb us because it's cute. Yes. It's yeah. adorable. It's adorable. And for anybody that might not be familiar, you are married to Matt Adler, mm-hmm. our, our good friend, Matt. Matt has been on our show. Yes, we Kane, Rick Kane from the North Shore. Matt has been on our show, I feel like at least three times now. Yes. He he yeah. is our, he is, uh, you know, he is objectively, I would say, our favorite. Uh, no offense to any other guests, but but part of the reason is that that candid, you know, just, just ease of, ease of, ease of speech you know we're just talking with each other and matt feels like somebody we've known a very long time and um sure. so we're, we're thrilled to have you you on as well um for for a proper a proper sit down quote unquote super Love yeah, <laughs> this it's an honor sincerely because we're obviously big fans of your career and uh just when we had you on for our fundraiser clearly that was you know the focus was Momentum Wheels for Humanity, which if no one knows about that, go to our Instagram page for more information. Actually, there's a link in the bio for this. But, um, you know, before we get into any of your career stuff, you know, how did you get set up with Momentum Wheels for Humanity? Um, Well, it started out, we had some extra uh, old wheelchair equipment um, that my son had grown out of. And so we were trying to figure out what to do with it. And we heard about Wheels for Humanity. And at that time, they used to um, get planes donated and they would fill the plane, a cargo plane, with um, anything that they could get. Wheelchairs, bath chairs, we even put in old clothing, you my son's old clothing, and they would take these refurbished wheelchairs and they would fly them around the world. So wow. And um, so there was a big warehouse in, I believe, North Hollywood. And Matt would go there. He would refurbish wheelchairs. We would bring all our equipment over there. And after quite some time, the realization was that they would fly over with seating specialists and physical therapists and fit children and adults in chairs. But these kinds of chairs are kind of first world chairs Mm -hmm. are not great for places like Indonesia, Mm. where it's 
not all paved. It's not all smooth terrain. So um, what happened was there was a shift in the leadership of the organization. And what they started to do was design and manufacture their own wheelchairs. Hmm. So they partnered with a company in Indonesia, started to build the chairs and actually had a warehouse where people who happened to use chairs were putting chairs together. So they were also employing people who used wheelchairs. So that's kind of the evolution of the organization. And now it has grown. It is um, it's its reach is more than just dropping off chairs and hoping you're okay. There's therapeutic units and um, a therapy unit training for therapists, a lot of support brought into the different countries. That's amazing. That's that's totally incredible. And um, and also another reminder is that back in September of last year, we had our three year anniversary. We we had a, a fundraiser for Momentum Wheels for Humanity, and our link is still active. So if you are compelled to donate, um, the link is in our show notes. Yeah, and I think Matt's going to do a um, an auction pretty soon with some paintings. So oh, I love that new activity happening. Cool. Also, the other thing that I wanted to say was there's also a research project, quite a large grant that Wheels is a part of where they're doing research on how that person's mobility really affects the community. So it's really a wide reaching program oh. that really touches from the therapeutic aspect to the chairs, to that influence, how that influences the community, not just the person's life and their family, but the community. That's really great because I think oftentimes, so I think one of the reasons Dustin and I wanted to work with you guys and do this and have it, our, our anniversary be a fundraiser was because this is a population that often gets overlooked or forgotten about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially in different parts of the world. I mean, tough enough here, but if it's not part of the health system to have a chair in the country where you live, it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing that they try to do is really influence the government and the health systems and sell wheelchairs to the government and the health systems so that it becomes more a part of the infrastructure of medical care. Amazing. When yeah. I was a teacher, um, I used to have students that had difficulty holding a pencil, right? For mm-hmm. their grip. And then they came out with this really cool, whoever, I don't know who came out with them, uh, these cool pencil grips that just contoured your fingers. Mm-hmm. And the difference that that little thing made to that five-year-old and brought you know that excitement to write or draw finally mm-hmm. because they can hold a pencil they can feel confident in the way they hold the pencil you know versus gripping it whatever it's 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 like like that little thing went with was such a big thing for that child so you think about every little thing in life if it doesn't affect you you know just just to think about it could have a huge effect on someone else mm-hmm. so i love this grant idea of like what happens moving forward that's mm-hmm. a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, we, um, uh, I think it was earlier in the year, no, around the same time, we right after we did the fundraiser, we went live on Instagram and we had a former guest on our show, Nestor Serrano, who suddenly just happened to be on Instagram at the time. And he goes, oh, I'm on the board of Momentum as well, which is kind of a fun roundabout way. <laughs> and so we're like, wait, you're a part of the show? So. You know, now we're in 2023. We will do another anniversary show later this year and another fundraiser for sure. So maybe we can, you know, it's just only going to get bigger and bigger as time goes on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Super. Love it. Uh, so hey, how did you and Matt meet? Um, we actually met through um, mutual friends in when I came to Los Angeles in 1989. And... Um, we were both dating other people then we both got married to other people and then we both got divorced from other people (laughs) happens it's it's a long road (laughs) for some of us it's a very long road um and um 
we had been friends and then he used to come over with his girlfriend actually and help me with Mason after I was divorced. And um, then they broke up and he used to come over like once a week, help me with Mason and we would hang out and talk because we obviously had a lot of in, in common and a lot of emotional stuff that we were going through and a lot of personal journey stuff that we were going through. Yeah. And um, so we were just friends and then all of a sudden we weren't. <laughs> and we thought, oh, if this goes bad, we're going to lose our <laughs> friendship. But luckily it's held as a pretty good rebound relationship. No kidding. How many really? years have you guys been married? Um, we were married in 05, so that's wow. almost 20 years. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So right? that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. 89 is what, that's when you uh, came out to LA. Yes. Yes. I came out in 89 for a screening of Sex Lies, and then I just started working and I just stayed. You were obviously working prior to that in New York, right? Mm -hmm. and... Yes, in in little like stage readings, and then little tiny off Broadway shows, and then off Broadway shows that my friends and I produced in art galleries, and then a more commercial off Broadway run, and then a couple of little episodes here and there of things, and then sort of things changed a little bit. <laughs> well, what what uh, what inspired you to become an actor? Well, in high school, I decided to take a drama class and I don't even know why. Um, and I started working on scenes and I really loved it. I really loved telling the story. I wanted to be in the story. And mm -hmm. that's how it all started. I think I was always being sort of, there's a recording of me when I was about four telling the elaborate story of Cinderella. And I think that that <laughs> was amazing. Just, you know, kind of it, maybe it's in you or it's not in you. But for me, um, when I listen to that, it is just so cute and so yeah. sweet and how I wanted to, I was very dramatic about the way that I told it. So maybe it was just always a little bit in me to be loud mouthed. <laughs> and <laughs> certainly not a coincidence that you're arguably your most well-known line in Pretty Woman. Yeah, interesting, fucking Cinderella. Right? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just want to know who it works out for. You give me one example of somebody that we know that it happened Name before. someone? Yeah, you want me to name someone? You want me to like give you a name yeah, or something? I'd like a name. Oh, God, the pressure of a name. Cinder fucking Rella. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if at four you were telling the story to you know, whomever you're speaking to. And so there's this hooker in Hollywood. <laughs> The cutest part of that tape and the tape, the part that I remember the most from listening to it, not from telling it, yeah, is, and she run down, 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 run, and she lost her glass slipper. That's amazing. That's amazing. Run down, run down, run. She run and run. Very sweet. I mean, oh, you I don't just it. lose it from one running, to be clear. You got to do a lot of a lot of running. Yes. Rundin. Yes. Yeah, they're not isotoners. You got to, yeah. you know. <laughs> and there's a lot of, uh, what, what, is, what is it called when you put the holes in the ground? You're uh, aerating the yes. grass yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of that going on. So, yeah. so you yeah, you're working in New York. And I mean, you know, I our, our history with you goes back to crime story and Miami Vice and stuff like that because Crime Story is a really great television series. It was a great television series. Oh, we loved it, didn't we? Yeah, oh, we were all hooked on it. it. Was so great. What an amazing yeah. cast! Ama phenomenal. I think it oftentimes gets overlooked because Miami Vice was around the same time, and Michael Mann had mm -hmm. produced both. Mm -hmm. But Dennis Farina, obviously, you know, was oh. just yeah. tremendous. I mean, it's a one-off that you did the show, but still, it must have been a fun experience. It was so fantastic. 
because it was this show that I loved and then I got to go and do it. And they were all so sweet and generous to me. I'm sitting at a table with the guys in a restaurant and I said, I don't know what continuity means. And this <laughs> was just like, just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Just be yourself. It's all going to be fine. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know what a mark was. So I'm walking through this parking lot very early on in the shoot. And I, I'm not hitting my marks and the director's freaking out. And it was just such a mess. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was, um, so much for fondness. There's no, um, you know, I didn't go to school. I didn't learn any of yeah. that kind of stuff. I went to school and I was, you know, trained in acting and the stage and I didn't learn any of that stuff. And so I didn't know what any of it meant. And so I had to learn on my feet in high heels and a wig. <laughs> Best way to learn. And, and, and for television, which is a whole other animal next to making mm -hmm. a movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you prefer stage before prior to that where you're like, oh, I just want to be back on the stage again? Um, yeah, I mean, there. Oh, uh, I think it was all, you know, pretty intriguing. And I, I did a lot on stage, so I understood that. Yeah. And so I wanted to, can you, to continue to do that and learn that. And I loved working on new plays, which is something you get to do when you're a young actor in New York, do stage readings of new plays. Mm, so you yeah. read a lot of new material. <clears throat> and um, but I was, of course, really intrigued by doing television and film. It's also a way to make a living. Yep. You know, so um, so I was really interested in what that was. And so I like both of them. There's nothing like the feeling of being in front of an audience and exchanging that energy and feeling the energy change in the room because of something that is happening to you. Yeah. But then again, there's also nothing like the magic of that, of that feeling that um, is so intimate. I mean, they can both be very intimate. It's just, it's different, but, and yet it's the same. If, if there's, if there is that magic um, kind of goosebump moment, you can have it in, you know, in a large theater, in a small theater, around a table in our pool house. We just did a reading of a new play at our house. And oh, nice. it was lovely. It was the same kind of, you know, wherever that magic is, that's just what's the super fun part. Are you looking to do another play here in LA then? Um, Potentially? I'm not not looking, but um, you know, that's a kind of hard mommy job. So through my career as a mom, um, I didn't really want to do um, plays really. I needed to be home at night. Yeah. You yeah. just need to, yeah. I just, for me, I needed to be there at night. So relate to that. yeah, if something happens, if something came up now, it could be a different story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, so you're, you're in New York and then you come out to LA. Mm-hmm. And you said you never you never turned back, right? What was it about LA that hooked you in once you got here? Was it just the work or was it more than that? <clears throat> well, it was definitely the work. I have to say, it's it's really interesting. When we did this reading the other night at our house, there were three people there that had just recently moved to Los Angeles. And usually there's a lot of LA bashing. And we talked about that, but um, especially when you come from New York or London, yeah. as one of those persons did, and they're such vibrant and creative and the city's hubs of creativity. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I had shared that when I came to Los Angeles, one of the first times I came, I felt like this invisible coat was lifted off my shoulders. Mm. And three of them said, oh my gosh, it's so interesting that you say that because they all had a different sensation, but they all described, the, like one of them uh, described, I felt like something inside my, 
my body changed. So there's this, mm. I guess, resonance of where we're supposed to be. I don't know how else we can figure out where we're supposed to be other than the straight logistics of what's happening in our lives. But it was interesting that all of us explained a slight shift inside of us that acknowledged that maybe this is the place to be. Mm. And then we talked about they were finding a really generous and warm creative community here. People really wanting to take risks, go outside the box, collaborate. Now, I'm sure that you can find that really anywhere. But um, other than this week, it's also a pretty great place to live. <laughs> right. <laughs> really. As far as getting around, it's it, the traffic is terrible. But other than that, there is a lightness because that also comes from the weather. Yes. I mean, it definitely Cur helps. Currently downpouring this week in LA. Yes. Currently. Flood warnings everywhere. Yeah. Currently a travel advisory <laughs> yeah. for water. For water. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. There is something about, you can find negatives in every city you go to. You really can. Maybe in Los Angeles. I always tell my wife, I'm, I say, well, there's what, 18 million people in Los Angeles. That means there's that many more people that are going to be kind and not so kind. <laughs> you know, you're just going to be surrounded by more of everything. Um, and you, you, you make the most of what you want. It's, I feel like it's a very much an artist city uh, across the board as, as far as creatively, uh, as, as, as far as creative is concerned, right? But it just thinks, I take, I think back to when you came down here in the 80s or over here, I guess. And it's such a different time and you had just finished Sex Lies and Videotape, and you're making your next move as Pretty Woman, right? And that's gotta be, like, th that's a major tonal shift. Are we not gonna talk about Sex Lies and Videotape at well, all? we should, I, we I should. feel like that's, it's a, a pivotal movie when you think about independent film and Truly. Um, Soderbergh's first movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, I'm certainly quite curious um, and, and was that not your first feature as well, technically, or? Yes. Yes. So like two major firsts leading up to what would become the independent film movement of the nineties. Um, yes. and that film is obviously a fantastic movie, won a lot of awards. I, I would love to hear about, you know, you you really are jumping into the, the deep end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, it was my first film. It was a really unique experience. Steven was really great. There was uh, some, there was quite a bit of rewriting, which I had been reminded of uh, years later and how fraught that was, but mm. um, for him. But it was all like really fun and groovy for me. And he's such <laughs> a good director and he was such a good director then that it felt like a really positive experience at the time. I remember um, there were dailies that were shipped to uh, Louisiana and Stephen watched them in a high school cafeteria or school cafeteria with no sound. There was no sound available. And I remember watching the first day of dailies, which was Andy's scene with Ron Vauder, such a beautiful human being. Yeah. And, um, and it was Andy's, that was the one of the first things she shot. And I watched her for like five takes in a row, blush on cue. And I thought, this is gonna be uh, really different than people think it's gonna be. Yes. She's gonna knock everybody's uh -huh. socks off. And she did. She did. And she did. But yeah. we're talking, I mean, Soderbergh at the time, I think he was like 26 or something, right? So yeah. like this is, and he, but he, he's always been a guy who has a very clear vision, right? You never felt like, oh, he doesn't, you never felt like, oh, I don't know what this is going to be. No, I, that's exactly right. 
And because, well, it's because of who he is, right? And technically he was um, editing in his head at that time too. So I don't think he shot a lot of things he didn't need. Like he knew, he knew what he was doing. He just knew what he was doing because of who he is. That's part of, because of who he is, as we have all seen. Right. Well, it's interesting too, because that was a time when I feel like the 90s, the mid 90s is when the independent film scene was really being put on the pedestal that it is now become, right? Where uh, getting Oscar contention and what and whatnot. But in the 80s and the late 80s, it was still very much if it was an indie film, maybe it would go straight to video or maybe it would it would play in one theater. Mm -hmm. I feel like Sex, Lies and Videotape was one of those movies that really broke through where literally everybody's talking about this movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. a monumental thing for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It was a major shift, you know, from the legacy of the seventies and John Cassavetes and that movement um, of the more independent storytelling. And then for very much in a studio system after that, and then another emergence of the independent film it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing and and yet and you've been in so many movies where you've been surrounded by so many terrific actors mm-hmm. not just one you know carrying the whole movie so to speak but so many ensemble pieces mm-hmm. yes is that just is that purely coincidence or is that something that you strategically look for when you're when you're picking a movie out I think it was uh, lucky that I was cast, you know, some of it's that. And also what I was attracted to, I really love being in an ensemble. There's nothing more fun. Right. So um, a little bit of both, I think, a little bit of luck and a little bit of what I was attracted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just such a, I I know we, I jumped the gun talking about Pretty Woman, but you think about that shift of like, okay, Sexualizing videotape by today's standards, not very controversial. <laughs> I guess yeah. in 1989, it's a whole other animal. But then you move over to Pretty Woman, which I guess on paper could be perceived as controversial, like this this woman of the night and gets romanced by a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, but very much not like a very much a, a studio film with um, in some ways cliche now. You know, I watched it the other night with my wife and she's like, oh, some of this stuff would not fly in today's, you know, this woman being swept off her feet. But, oh, that's a Cinderella story, so to speak, you know, and some eye rolling stuff now. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the heart of it, it's such a sweet film. You know, it's such a it has such a charm. It still has such a charm. It still holds up in many degrees. Um, not talking about King of Wishful Thinking, Dustin, by Go West, which is the opening song to the movie. So, <laughs> I'm not which a Go Dustin? West. I'm not a fan of that particular Go West song, Laura. The uh, King of Wishful Thinking, which you might, you know, uh, not feel one way or the other about, but it, it sort of opens Pretty Woman. Um, mm-hmm. um, I haven't really seen Pretty Woman since 1990. What? And I snuck into a theater. Okay, now we're talking. Best audience. So I can't really speak to the opening music. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. No. They probably that's, changed it last minute. That's wait, wait, phenomenal. Yeah, so we got to we got to we got to backtrack into this. Do you not see your work? Period. Um, not. A lot, no, no, <laughs> not what I like to do, no, no, yeah, I haven't seen that since, um, uh, I think Gary or someone from his office called me one day and said, hey, we're doing a test screening tonight, would you like to sneak in and watch it with an audience, and that's the last time I've seen it, that's wow. it. And, and how was that night? I think it went pretty well. <laughs> I think it went pretty well. How was it for you, though? To to did you enjoy it? Uh, oh, yeah, I think I did. Okay, I think I did. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> usually, I can watch something once, and that's really it. Yeah. And usually, it's at a yeah. screening of some kind, a premiere of some kind, and then 
that's kind of like, okay, you know, I want to see what everybody has done. And I'm really happy to do that. And I want to see what the director and editor and everybody has done. But then I just don't want to sit there and watch myself too much. Right. I think it would be an interesting psychological experiment if you started a podcast uh, solely to revisit your own movies <laughs> and then recorded your reaction in real time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then sort of critiqued my own work. Yes, it's, and it's very healthy. And then marveled at my yep. young face. <laughs> <sighs> no, what I would like to do, though, this is an interesting, this is an interesting project, but, and I know there's something similar going around right now, but it's more uh, for, um, you know, sort of entertainment, but I would like to hook actors up to um, lie detectors, Nope. And ask them questions or show them pictures of really prominent things in pieces they've done and see if they still carry the emotional reaction Interesting. of mm. the piece. There was um, a piece that I did that um, where there was this danger that was connected to a city and the name of the city. And for over a year, whenever I heard the name of that city, my heart would start to race. Oh, wow. And I thought, my gosh, this is so amazing. And I know that there have been experiments where they've hooked actors up to various uh, uh, detection equipment to see how their brain changes and their empathy and their emotions move very quickly and, and are very um, facile. Yep. But uh, how many things stay with one for a really long time? Yeah. There was a moment in Saving Grace where we talked about, it was spoken about, a picture of Holly's character after the Oklahoma bombing carrying a child out of the building. Hmm. And I had a, the, the image of this picture in my head that imprinted so mm. strongly that when there was some anniversary of the bombing and I immediately flashed to that picture and went, oh no, I made that up. I made that up in my head. That's not oh. a real picture from the Oklahoma bombing. And so these things mm. really um, take hold. You, one puts so much weight and so much of oneself into it sometimes that um, it can really imprint your emotions. It's like you're giving yourself the Mandela effect in some weird way where you're like, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's where you've convinced yourself so well that something happened that you believe it, but it's not really real. Yeah. I mean, that's part of our job is that we're supposed to convince ourselves so right. that in that moment, you can be as human, you can have as human a reaction as possible so people can react to it. So people can feel it yeah. themselves and see yeah. themselves in, I mean, that's the whole purpose, right? So not to get too heady about this, but this is the no, like really juicy, this is the really juicy fun part. Yeah, this, this will is be the goosebumps part of all. So. It's that's very that's wild. So so you you had this moment where you realized, okay, no, that that wasn't a real moment that happened for me. It was that wasn't it, a real it, moment it, that happened in the world at all. I just pictured it? it because yeah. it was so important to the story and so much a part of my foundational work that I did on that um, series yeah. that it just became part of my file folder of yeah. the Oklahoma bombing. Were you Amazing. able to let go after that? Were you able, once you? Yeah, I mean, it's not like it, these things, um, I would say negatively, psychologically impact my everyday life, but yeah. it's just interesting that that flash, just like any kind of mm, really poignant memory might come yeah. up as you're driving around and listening to the news and they might be talking about and and part of my memories of that of the Oklahoma bombing are my real ones but that is one that is very prominent and it is just one that I made up 
for wow, that's a trip it's kind of interesting yeah yeah and on that series you play uh holly hunter's sister right and and uh and, and friend you, yes friend 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 sorry you played her sister yeah. in once around yes 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 yes, yes <laughs> which yes. is a trip because you made that movie in the 90s and then here you are flashing forward decades later and you're working with her again i know isn't that great was, was there a moment where you're like oh wait we did this thing or you always you know did you have any playful moments on set of saving grace of like oh from from once around uh yeah i think that we reflected back on it a lot that we had you know that many years had passed and many things had happened to us and all the glory of time passing and here we are again and it's a really unique experience to um to work with holly it's it's uh it really seamless it was really seamless for us we would float in and out of scenes so seamlessly and um it was <laughs> it was lovely a younger audience doesn't understand that the power horse that you are the power horse that holly hunter is the the the, the pedigree the resume sincerely and I, not mm -hmm. to like toot your horn or anything but you know we hold you in that echelon of actors who when you see a performance on screen of yours it's so compelling and you want to watch more you know mm -hmm. i'm watching pretty woman again last night and to be completely honest it was the first time i've ever seen it from beginning to end and so it was a trip to see you you're in like i think three or four scenes in the movie total but your performance stands out so much yours and hector elizondo to be honest with you like, <laughs> like yeah. that guy can do no wrong in my yeah. book um it's it when you take a role that that may it may not be the lead but you make it so important you know and mm. you did that in pretty woman i know you haven't seen it since that test screening <laughs> but i'm here to tell you right now like sincerely and dustin and i were sharing this you know through text we're like no you guys are like the highlights of that movie oh that's so sweet yeah. thank you so much it was fun it was really beautiful and fun to work on and um you know gary is was an amazing director and people loved him loved him and um he was very uh fun and joyful and that's what he wanted to make he wanted to make fun and joy and so it was always a pleasure to be around him for everybody yeah that's amazing. Obvious. Did it give you a lot of a lot of freedom? I mean, I know you don't remember, oh, but yeah. at, one, at one point, you know, you're in the lobby of the hotel and you're yeah, like yeah. putting your forehead down on the counter and just kind of blowing on it. Like, are is that? Yeah, yeah. Like a kid, you know, like it was it was like a kid when they when they do that against the the window. Yes, like, that's what I was doing. Yes. <laughs> Fifty bucks, Grandpa, for seventy-five. The wife can watch. And yeah, I mean, I just did it. You know, I just did that thing. I don't know what I was. the The height of the of the thing was so perfect, and I kind of remember <laughs> just going up and over, and then you just make the thing. You just make the fog, and then you talk to people, and. Um, like it's adorable. It's, so yeah, uh, he gave us a lot of freedom and he also gave us, you know, a, he gave the amazing direction, you know, say something, say something like it's Cinderella, say something about how it's, you know, so, and then he would just go and now, okay, rolling. And then that would be it. And you'd have to move really quickly. Wow. Think really quickly, play really quickly. But the more that people like Gary, like the more he wants you to play, wants you to play and be funny. So the easier it is to play and be funny, right? Right. Because he's not worried. So you're not worried. So you lean on the counter and make the little air thing, the, the fog. <laughs> so you do oh, that. <laughs> 
my wife says to me she's like you can't breathe on a countertop now in 2023 you can't right right and that movie came out in 1990 uh another film that also came out in 1990 was quigley down under so that was Mm -hmm. a big year for you Mm -hmm. um was and quigley uh is is like a fan favorite it's it's one of those movies that yeah like the people that know it love it and you know, it's either you know it and you love it, or you don't know it. And that movie starred uh, Tom Selleck and you as Crazy Cora. Um, and to me, that's one of those movies. I, I just rewatched it, and it almost comes off initially kind of goofy because it has like a lot of like horns, and it's like don't like it's it's comedy. But then it's some of the darkest stuff you could ever experience, Oof. like so yeah. dark, jarringly dark, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's you know, it's like oh, that's Crazy Cora, but. No, Crazy Cora has a really dramatic past. Yeah. Really traumatic things have happened. And now we are essentially saving Aborigines from being just slaughtered and mm-hmm. mass genocide. Um, how was that film for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, yeah, a really big jumble of stuff, right? Yes. Um, and I really loved that character, so I really wanted to do that movie and, um, and you know, sort of see the world. Uh, quite amazing. And um, I was very lucky that I got to do it. Tom is such a great guy and such a gentleman. And working with Alan was, Alan Rickman was just lovely. Um, all the cast really um, were pretty amazing and it was an adventure to be in the middle of the desert. Um, tricky, really tricky, really tricky all the time. Mm. And uh, a little bit scary sometimes. And um, I wasn't happy that the, the, the children were working as long as I was. Oh. That was really hard. Oh. Any child labor laws oh, in that part man. of the country at the time, but they were receiving a lot of medical care and things like that. And so they were, you know, production was saying, you know, that's compensating for whatever you're feeling, you know. Oh, remember wow. that they're getting a lot of attention. And a lot <sighs> of the Aborigines that performed in the movie were performers. So, um, so they were, um, you know, somewhat hip to the what was going on, but there was still a really amazing atmosphere of otherworldliness, kind of a bit of majestic presence about them, really connected mm. to the earth and the land. So it was, you know, tricky. It was it's tricky. tricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of tricky things, but I feel like I um I wanted to do that part and it was important to me for some some reason it really touched me so it was really fun to do in that way yeah it's a great performance it's it's interesting you bring that up because you know they make such a a big point of saying like no animals were harmed in the making of this movie but the children <laughs> you never see There's, that in a movie by the way no children were harmed or neglected no, in the making of no this children movie. worked many hours and were yeah uh, oh wow. yeah wow that's one of those things, you know, you, people talk about, you know, do you have regrets or, <laughs> you know, people say, no, I have no regrets. And I think, well, yeah, I wasn't always as smart as I am now. I wasn't always as self-possessed as I am now. Uh, I made mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. And that's how we learn in life. And totally. it's okay to make mistakes and experience life. It's the only way we can get through this. That can't be, you know, uh, wisdom of um, 50 or 60 at, you know, 20 something. But, oh, that was hard for me to take. So I understand that. And I I think about what could I have done in that situation to help? What could I have done to help? That's what I try to, that's what I try to think about when I think about regrets like that. What could I what could I have done to help myself or someone else? It's yeah. really like, oh, I kind of didn't understand and I kind of didn't know what to do. Yeah. That's a situation we all get into and that's a moment of regret. 
I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do here. I'm making a bad mistake, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. a tricky position to be in too. Yeah, yeah. sure. Sure. It is. Sure. You want to serve the production it is. always. It is. You can't suddenly be an ambassador for the environment. I mean, you, you can certainly try and, but in the moment it, it is, it's like, what, mm -hmm. what could you do? You know, you're going to stop production and be like, whoa, this is, you know, I'm putting my foot down and we are mm -hmm. getting some people in here to mm -hmm. make changes. Yeah. Right. And I hate to, you know, reveal something so maybe not great about a movie that people love, but there is ongoing Aboriginal um, injustice going on in Australia, Australia. So I think that I don't want to burst the movie magic because I know that people love that movie. And yeah. when I saw it, I thought it was beautiful too. Um, but it's also an important thing. It's the, sometimes we run into these things when we travel the world at certain times of yeah. life. Totally. Yeah. Glad totally. you brought it up. Honestly, I appreciate you talking about it. Well, I think that's the thing too, that, that there's this, you know, the more aware we are becoming of the world mm -hmm. constantly, daily, mm -hmm. minute by minutes in some respects, uh, you reflect back on these movies, these films, and you go, okay, this didn't age well, or this, you know, this isn't, you have to take it within the context, you know, it doesn't take away from your, your love of it, but also in the back of your mind going, no, this is still going on, and this is something to think about. It's mm -hmm. almost, like, almost like if you love this movie so much, maybe take a little bit more insight into what's going on and maybe be a, you know, a world changer versus, you know, just sitting and hitting a like button or whatever. Right. 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 Which, which we're all accustomed to at some point, you know, we've all been there in some, some degree. Um, but, but I was thinking about, you know, Dustin and I didn't get an opportunity to see this movie, but you did a TV film soon after called um, for their own good with Elizabeth yes. Perkins. Right. Yes. Based on a true yeah. story. Speaking yes. of horrible yes. injustices and yeah. getting yourself in an emotional place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a yes. very clearly an important film. Yes. So amazing a story, right? Yeah. Um, that these women were um, were forced to have sterilization by the company they worked for. I mean, you like, can't believe that this happened in our lifetime. Yes. Right? No. <laughs> it's so, so, it was so odd. So, That's such an odd, amazing insane. thing that could happen. We, we think that, yeah, I haven't thought about that in a really long time. And it's just, it's just amazing. Well, it's, an, it's not it's something to, to definitely not be forgotten about because- Yeah. Yeah. You know, the fact that it happened in, in the, in the light, you know, there, there have been horrible stories of things that happen when no one's looking or no one's talking about it, you know, forced sterilizations. It happens a lot, unfortunately, mm -hmm. on Indian, res uh, indigenous reservations mm -hmm. and uh, people in government and power are responsible for that. But, you know, for, for this to happen and sign off on kind of thing. It's it's a crazy story. It's a crazy yeah. story and definitely one that should be revisited. Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really just just bizarre and odd. I can't believe that it happened. And but this is what this is what happens. Mm. And these are why we keep fighting for women's rights. Absolutely. Did you portray a real life person in that you were you were portraying the, 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 lawyer, the lawyer that represented the women i think yeah. yes mm -hmm. so did you did you meet with that lawyer or any anything? uh no i don't i don't think that we had contact with any of the okay people, but i think there were some news stories i think i remember watching or reading some of the of the actual story yeah yeah, crazy. It's insane. It's an insane yeah. story. I, yeah. I saw the I saw the trailer and I'm like, this isn't real. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> right. Well, I yeah. think that that's the point I'm also trying to make too. Is I'm so glad that that is a movie that was made, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because these are the films that need to be made. You know, even mm -hmm. if they're hard to watch, tough subjects to deal with. It's important mm -hmm. that these are out there, so it gives an audience who might 
not pay attention to something like this, open their minds and go, holy crap, I got to look into this. You know, what can mm. I do to make sure this doesn't happen to people mm. around yeah. me? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's good stuff. But um, but you slow, you made a transition to television soon after in the mid 90s, I guess. And mm-hmm. but you got into voice acting with Gargoyles. I did. I did mm. some. Uh, yeah, I did the Gargoyles. How was that for you? Great. It was so interesting because these guys that I, men and women that I worked with on Gargoyles, I mean, they're just, these voice actors are amazing. Amazing what they can do with their presence and their voice. Yeah, It was really a lesson for me. There was no way I could uh, do what they were doing. It was just so impressive. And they were very lovely to me. And I was stepping in and I think I was very pregnant at the time that I was doing that. So oh gosh, uh, it was, uh, it was super fun. It gave you an opportunity to not, to maybe to sit down on. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Wheeling yes. a, a chair and a pillow. Yeah. Right. Um, no, it, Gargoyles, I think is one of those television series that still holds up today. And it's, and yeah. it's, and it's one of those shows that it's very popular for young people, but it's also popular for an older audience too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk down to its audience and make you feel like you're watching a quote unquote kids cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of gotten a resurgence within the past few years, I guess. So the popularity continues to this day and it's now it's on Disney plus and, you know, people can revisit it and your role and the, the whole series itself. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I'm I'm glad you were able to do that and thank you for doing it because it's she's like I'm not going to watch it I'm not going to watch it but thank you Zach yes. <laughs> no you don't you don't watch it but well, <clears throat> ah <laughs> no we we could literally talk to you all day about every yeah. single one of your yeah. roles uh oh we better watch what we say oh, oh no great. there he is you just can't get enough the of prodigal us. son has come home. <laughs> I, it's not about enough of you. I have to stop you and make sure you're treating her right. Oh, we're oh. definitely not. We're definitely not. It, let me ask yeah. you a question. It's in two parts. First part, is she a delight? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wait, do, you, do you want us to answer that now or do you want to ask both parts? In unison. Second part is, is she is she giving you insightful and interesting answers to your very good questions? Well, you have to listen to the episode, I guess, to... Oh, no. To, to, oh, yes, you, no. I, we know, we know see, Laura won't be, so that's... Yeah. Did you see Laura's body language? She suddenly, like, she turned her chair around. <laughs> she picked up a couch. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I just exactly. came to say hi. Hello. Hello. Boys. Hey. Um, uh, what else was I going to ask you? Yeah, here's your, here's your opportunity to ask us anything you want. Right. It's, it's the yeah. only time you'll get us. <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, I just want to make sure you tell them how you got the job on Barry. Make sure that story's in here. Oh, Wait, yeah. Did you read our mind? Because that was going to be my next question. Um, Laura, how what? did you get the job on wow. Barry? Amazing. Well, I had some excellent coaching from my husband, Matt. Oh. He likes to take credit for that job because I did audition for that. And he did, you know, we're all doing our self-tapes with... Uh, yeah you're lucky enough to have a partner in your life to do your to do your auditions with so he did uh do some coaching and some directing of me in in that audition and he likes to take credit for that i give him credit yeah yeah um you know laura you uh coming on our show would not have happened obviously without matt but I think it's pretty obvious, and I think we have to give him credit. It would not have happened if it wasn't for John Philbin, too. John's like, I don't get enough credit for, yeah, I got you, Matt. I got you in your, your favorite interview. I got you that. So, you know, John deserves credit as well, and he just got Always. married, and we're happy for Shout him, Shout out to yep. John. Beautiful wedding. Yep. Yes, we're so happy for him. But we're happy that you're on our show. That's that's what matters the most. Thank you so much for giving so much of your time up for us, to us. You're welcome. Um, thank you. Guys. Thank you. So I great will shout you. out Wheels for Humanity again for yes, you of because course. that ne- definitely needs to be shouted out. Thank links you. in the show notes. Blah 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 blah. Check that out. Um, 
It's a pleasure and honor. And I'm not blowing smoke when I say <laughs> he's sincerely. Not. He's not. Like you are, I, I know you probably hear it all the time, but just coming from us, like we hold you at that high echelon. You are tremendous you. and a tremendous human being too. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. Be well. Duke. Oh, listen, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the 80s. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a four... Is it five-star rating? <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really... Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. If you listen to us on Spotify, that's great too. And you can find us on the internet. <laughs> Don't forget to check out our website at $2LateFee.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at $2LateFeePodcast. We'll see you next time. We did it. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.